Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's a hellish nightmare. It's time for Must Have Seen TV, the podcast dedicated to the sitcoms of the 20th century from I Love Lucy to News Radio. I'm your TV guy, Brett White, and I'm also a reporter producer for Decider.com, and welcome to part 12 <laughs> Of the quarantine era of the podcast, which means you're just going to get unfiltered audio of talking of people with no clips and no music and nothing special because I'm just going to get this stuff out to you as fast as possible. You're going to like it and you're going to love it. And I appreciate you listening. (laughs) This week, I am joined by returning guest superstars of the podcast, Dan Chamberlain. (laughs) And Nat Towson. Hello, cowabunga. Radical, radical. Wait, so are we in three different boroughs? I'm in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Oh, uh, so Brooklyn and Queens. We're the we're the BQE going on right here. Quarantined in three apartments in two boroughs. Uh, how's it going? How's your quarantine times? Oh, you know, oh. just uh, tearing up at the Wonder Years. Oh yeah, this was. I almost started crying at this. This was a this yeah. It put a, me in a like a very weird mood. This episode. It's like <laughs> a. I guess I knew. I guess uh, for some reason in my brain, I had like compartmentalized the show as like a little more maudlin and like easy to dismiss for that reason. And this actually was like quite melancholy and made me very mm-hmm. kind of really sad. Yeah. Are y'all finding that you are crying or getting emotional at things that should not be doing the trick for you? But like in these circumstances, yeah, I think we've all got probably a little <laughs> less emotional energy to go around yeah. right now. And, yeah. that, and that includes the energy that is usually spent regulating your emotions. So I think yeah. sometimes it's maybe not that something doesn't deserve it, that, but that your response might be disproportionate or unusually proportioned. Yeah, I've been just losing it. I've been doing having the opposite, just like cackling nonstop at the stupidest things like there's this show coming out on netflix called sweet magnolias which is exactly mm-hmm. as southern and melodramatic as that sounds and i i was reading the wikipedia page and i found out that both the showrunner the showrunner is cheryl anderson and the author is cheryl woods and just the thought in my head of like this show comes from two cheryls <laughs> from like, the cheryls who brought you wedding crashers <laughs> <laughs> it just made me lose my mind just cackling hysterically at the idea of two cheryls teaming up to bring you sweet magnolias and that's not funny like that's not <laughs> they finally buried my... the hatchet <laughs> yeah the cheryls Put the are the blood back. feud to rest and now they're unstoppable <laughs> and there can like... now be two emotional control stuff like the one i can't wrap my head around is like 
I feel like I saw so many guys do like the head shave on like day three into quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you guys, it's been 72 hours and you're like, I better start drinking my own piss. It's, yeah. like, it's like, save, save some. We're going to yeah, be here for a while. your fingernails get so long? It's only been four days. <laughs> my God. Yeah. Like, you cashed in those like performative breakdown chips a little early, man. Seriously. Yeah, what's left? There's nowhere to go but, I mean, back up. Like... <laughs> Or to scarier places. Um, I am not cutting my hair. I am figuring out how to wear it long. Have you not had a single haircut since the quarantine began? I did. I did look out that I went to the barber and he gave me the shortest haircut I've ever I've had in like a long time uh, without me knowing. Like I didn't know what I was asking for when I said, "Oh yeah, sure, that guard is fine." And it was like you could basically see the skin. Yeah, because yours side still and looks short on the sides. Like yours looks yeah. like done deliberately short yeah, on the so sides. like i think maybe my barber knew what was coming i've still been tipping him during the quarantine i'm sorry so. are you theorizing that your barber uh gave you a short was, haircut because he predicted the covid yeah. outbreak yeah, he was t he was taking care of me he knows hey man just i'm not gonna see you for a while but i feel like i feel like we should look into that guy if that's the case we're not yeah. really paying enough attention to he's your a barber, barber truther i love it yeah that's yeah. that's my gig but also, this week, we're going to be traveling to February 1st, 1989. Three fugitives ruled the box office, and When I'm With You by Sheriff topped the charts. And ABC aired the Wonder Years episode, Pottery Will Get You Nowhere. Dan and Nat, you must have seen Pottery Will Get You Nowhere before today. Wait, what is Three Fugitives? See, this is the first time that I don't Dan, know what the song or the movie is. That, is that a, it sounds like, a, is that a, a Trouble in Paradise are you referring to? It sounds Three like... The plot I of Trouble at, in Paradise. I looked it up, and Three Fugitives, I think, stars Nick Nolte and Martin Short, and it is a comedy, like, cop crime movie. I don't know who the third fugitive is, hmm. because they're just the two leads. And then James Earl Jones plays the cop that I assume is after them. Um, modest success. I think it made, like, $45 million at the box office on a budget of significantly, significantly less. Um, so, you know, but time has not... And I don't know what this... Uh, when I'm with you by Sheriff. Does Sheriff, uh, you no, know, I'm confusing Sheriff with Warrant, and yes. you see why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Sheriff has a warrant. They should have yeah, toured yeah. together. Both have double R's in the middle of the word, you know. Yeah, so <laughs> I was expecting to know all this in 1989, but nope, no memory. Um, but yeah, what is y'all's history with the Wonder Years, and were you familiar with the um emotional uh rawness that we were getting into? Uh, I watched this show growing up. My mom liked it, so I was allowed to watch it, even though it gets, like, fairly serious or takes on some fairly serious issues in certain episodes. And it's, yeah, it has this sort of emotionally charged place in my mind because I think for my mom, it was watching it and, you know, looking at parallels to her own childhood. Yeah. So she was watching this and this the show, I mean, it's so steeped in nostalgia in a way that doesn't really feel exploitative, but they're like, you know, there's the obviously the opening credits, the sort of home movie aesthetic to the whole thing. There's the it's being told in, you know, retrospective narration from, you yeah. know, th like looking back on those. The, I mean, it's literally called The Wonder Years. Like it's about <laughs> losing innocence. Like the whole the whole arc of the show is about that. So, I, you know, I think it was really emotionally charged for my mom. And then like. 
I think I have a sort of secondhand version of that, like filtering that through her experience. And then that being that is now a childhood memory for me watching that show. So I have these like sort of distant wonder wonder year memories of watching the wonder years with my mom. (laughs) Dan, did you grow up? I had a I had a very I, I had years. a similar relationship with with the show. Tele, television television was re, very uh, very metered in our in our home, uh, and yes, so yeah, th- this for some reason or another was deemed particularly like a primetime network show. Is shocking to me that this was deemed <laughs> because I was aware of other like you know well this is an okay show like that like we're absolutely not allowed. Yeah, this, this this was a, a permitted show, although I, hmm. I, I don't recall it being appointment viewing. And I feel like it may have at some point in its run aired on Sunday nights, which may have contributed to our being allowed to watch it. Um, mm. school the Lord's ni- Night. So, you know. School nights were pretty, like, even though Sunday is a school night, I, I, you know, when you're a kid, it's like, oh, it's not a school night, it's not school day. Like, you can still God, yeah, ring a little is... weekend out of that night, you know? I'm so glad that my parents... I guess I got good grades, so they never had to take away my television. Like, I didn't, I never made them need to punish me or like, or be like, well, you need to focus on your study. Cause I watched maybe eight to 10 hours of television a day as a child, oh <laughs> like, yeah. even with going to school. No, that would not uh, have been permitted. And, and Brett, I think I, it's funny that you frame it as, uh, that Dan and I were being punished. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds <laughs> like punishment to me. <laughs> we, we weren't allowed to watch eight to 10 hours of television at night. So clearly we had done something wrong <laughs> to yeah. lead How to that. <laughs> was, did the state say, ever get involved? I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, yeah, the torture. I, I think no, it was I, more I of I a just parenting decision, I, I have to say. I would go I'd on, come home, I would go up to my room, parents, but... and I would just watch television and not talk to anyone. That's normal and healthy. <laughs> and that, it's funny you said that thing about, like, you know, the, the sort of like the, the recursive nostalgia of this, because even before starting this episode, I, I probably haven't watched an episode of The Wonder Years since the, you know, early 90s, or, you know, I, I think it ran in, I, I want to say this was on in reruns on Nick and I, uh, some cable yeah. channel, like... <laughs> Um, the, I have a very low tolerance for rose colored boomer nostalgia, um, <laughs> uh, Forrest Gump stuff, this like, wow, mm-hmm. man, the 60s stuff. And what struck me about this was even though there were, what was it? The, the, the Detroit riots in the background you, we saw yeah. for a second, like, even for though they sec. alluded to this, the sort of cult, like what was happening in the culture. I was impressed by how accurately it did, like, nail that specific feeling of child. This may sound odd. And it reminded me of uh, Malcolm in the Middle in a weird way. Oh, yeah. a very, very different show, but nailing a very specific, like, look, like, when you're – there's a powerlessness to being a child. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know, of just this, like, the, this sort of perpetual muddling through it of, like, we're all just – well, we're all in this situation and we can observe it and make the best of it or whatever. And I, it, it, it had a lot more of that than I anticipated or remembered. Yeah. yeah. And not to jump ahead, but just sort of that tenseness of being a child in an environment that you cannot control and your parents have so much power. And so like when one of them is angry or they're angry with each other, you are just on, you know, high alert, walking on eggshells, like, constantly yeah and I, it, it definitely captures that feeling i felt very tense watching certain parts of this episode lots uh, of feelings 
Yeah, it really I, for some reason was not feeling very well. We didn't watch. Th- we didn't watch it when I was a kid, which is wild. Like I was watching so much television as a child, but I did not watch Wonder Years. Brag, I don't brag, know why. Um, but I will say that even without watching Wonder Years, the show was so embedded in pop culture that like I knew every single character on site and actor without ever watching an episode as a kid. And I don't know where I was seeing them, like just commercials or like commercials for the show or um, it coming on before or after things I was watching. But like I had a bizarre sense of memory while watching this episode. I remember uh, we had very close uh, uh, neighbors, both in age and, uh, you know, we could get to their house through the woods. So like we would uh, my brothers and I would hang out with these these neighbor brothers often and I, I forget the specifics of the, the situation, but, like, something had happened where there was some impact and, and, and someone was, like, crying. There was some break. And I I remember, it like, trying to, like, emotionally reason with, like, a large group of children of what was going on, my being a child as well at the time. And one of these neighbor kids saying to me, Dan, you watch too much Kevin. And that's what he what he was referring to the Wonder Years, like as like a hokey thing. He was like, he was like, Dan, you watch too much Kevin, because I had like made some gesture to like make peace amongst a bunch of like squabbling, uh, <laughs> squabbling peers as like a child. I did yeah, you're that. I called too much um, like a fictional character right now. I always called Life Goes On Corky, which I also feel like everyone did. For some reason, Life Goes On, I did watch. Did not watch Wonder Years, but watched Life Goes On. Two Beatles songs. I would believe if they were both in the same. They, they seem. I, and Life Goes On was was ABC as well. Like that's that's a great programming block. It would absolutely make yeah. sense if they were paired together. You know. So this week on Must Have Seen TV, we will be talking about the Wonder Years episode "Pottery Will Get You Nowhere." It is the sixth episode of season two and was written by Matthew Carlson and directed by Daniel Stern. Here's how Hulu that. describes the episode. Unbeknownst to the family, Norma has begun taking a pottery class. They find out when she brings home her first project for family approval. Nat and Dan, how accurate is that description? That's uh... I mean, on a very surface. It's a very yeah, surface that... appraisal of, yeah. of what's what's happening in this it's episode. Not what I would say like the the emotional thrust of the episode is exactly. Yeah. The episode I realized like halfway through has at least two is juggling two metaphors mm-hmm. at once because like the relationship of the parents is fragile, like the pottery, like they're watching it break. And there's all this like earthquake tectonic plate talk at school like. Well, they're and, also sort of, yeah, they're going your society and your country could crumble right now. And yeah. There's even that part where they're in the class with Ben Stein uh who you know uh it nails that role and also helps richard nixon so you know kind of evens out uh, <laughs> this was uh, ben stein's first episode i i read on wikipedia this is oh, the first is appearance this is the second season is the this episode is the first appearance of ben stein's character on this show oh wow i did not know that history i was going to say there was a part where ben stein is talking about natural disasters and th- he says oh you think this can't happen at home well, it happened in Missouri in 1811, yeah. and they have, I don't know that there should be footage from 1811, but uh seems seems as if that predates <laughs> photography, uh, but they but they have images at least from, from this huge earthquake, and then it cuts to the scene where the dad knocks the mug off of the, off of the table and it shatters. So it's drawing this parallel between the sort of two running, the, the working, yeah. the pottery in, in the, in the home and then the macro 
metaphor of the natural disasters in their sort of crumbling society. It's a lot Things going on break. in 23 episodes, I, a 23 minute it, episode. Yeah, that was that hit me. I was like, oh, my God, they're doing. And also the fact that they aren't underlining it like they never once say like the narration is never like, you know what? I guess earthquakes sometimes don't move like they never say like uh, our relationship was just as fragile as the ceramic pottery. <laughs> like, no, no, he never. It, I really think they do a good job of not laying it on thick with the voiceover. The only part was that one line at the very end during the tracking shot where it's like. It just goes to show that you grab on and sometimes you got to grab and hold on to whatever you can grab on to. Wait, what? (laughs) It felt a little out of tone for the rest of the episode. Tears were streaming down my face, so I let it slide. (laughs) I don't want to jump. I'm jumping around too much. Uh, Uh, So the episode opens, every episode opens with the iconic opening credits, which just like hit me like a sledgehammer of nostalgia of just like, because I definitely know those opening credits. Real quick, that. this is not the Joe Cocker version. No, the Joe Cocker they don't have the right? music yeah, rights. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. This is a it's knockoff a, music it's version. It's a gravelly voiced man singing that song. But that, I'm like, see, that's not that Joe for Cocker. me, yeah, I, I, I think I had a different experience than the nostalgic tearjerker experience of the credits I was expecting because... That had like a un- uncanny valley unfamiliarity yeah. to me, where I was like, "No, no, 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 no!" Like my my brain wants to recognize this so badly, and it's not quite the right thing. Truly, what would we do if he sang out of tune? I mean, like, <laughs> he sang with a different voice. Yeah, I'm learning now. I'm finally getting the answer to that question. But then, like, it was hard to take notes of the episode because, so, like, usually I do. Usually the sitcoms I do are always shot on a stage. It's very linear storytelling. And if you're going before the 80s, there's only an A story and that is it. Like they aren't even doing B's and C's. Like it is a very linear thing. But Wonder Years is no laugh track. It is shot like single cam, like a film on film. And therefore, like keeping track of like all the threads because they really do an interesting job of like the beginning of it is a montage of kevin talking about his parents and we're seeing them like driving and getting lost and shopping for tiles and just like all this all that stuff that you could not do on stage the other thing this this first act really like uh that really jumped out to me was uh of course there's the famous like internet meme of like uh uh you know sitcoms without laughter you know what are they like you know uh friends without laughter uh, I've also seen a cut go around of like, hey, the Wonder Years without narration. Yeah. And what was shooting this? Like, I, I wonder. I wonder if like, if the director was on set, like reading the narration or just like nudging those like reactions, because an enormous amount of this show is dialogue free. Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of physical been... work. That opening well, would this be easier or hard? Is that easier or harder to shoot? Not having to worry about saying lines, but just the director be like, okay, and now they're looking at tile, you react like this. Oh, that's a good point. They're probably MOS for the entire opening montage, right? Like, when they're yeah. choosing the tiles at the store, and he's setting up his parents' relationship. Yeah. Did that remind either of you at all of, I mean, it's maybe an obvious comparison, but a Christmas story? Yeah. sort of the description of the power dynamics in his parents yeah. relationship i and... almost wrote that down like i got such christmas story vibes from this and then i realized oh that's probably the entire series is christmas story vibes to some degree but i really think specifically that montage where he's explaining i mean and this happens in a number of episodes explaining like a, a convention of their household 
like that was a thing that on re- upon rewatching this, I was struck by is the degree to which the show is really like deconstructing the minutia of this 1960s suburban family dynamics, and he's and mm-hmm. he has like this complete understanding of how this power structure, this arbitrary power structure exists, like within the containment bubble of their home. That's it's so fascinating, like the the time that is taken to tease apart and deconstruct every interaction and how he's like like color commentating his parents relationship yeah. at a certain point and it's daniel stern doing the narration who was also directing this episode right that's why i mean like good job daniel stern right <laughs> i didn't really i don't really think of him as a director and this is also this is pre uh harry and marv so right yeah <laughs> I, I, I i think this i don't think he directed in season one i could be wrong about that I also, um, I wanted to bring up, oh God, what was I going to bring up? This is what I, ah, I don't edit, I don't edit anything out anymore. There's no editing. <laughs> uh, I was I, just, I was I about to say, say something that you would edit out. No, well, I guess, but that's just going to make me do work. No, um, I was going to say blanket note. Now that I am an adult gay man, I recognize the dad is hot, right? <laughs> Dan Loria? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, he is very handsome. He's a very, he looks like Beast. Like, he looks yes. like what an artist should draw Beast to look like. Yeah, he's a, I mean, he's a hefty man, but, uh, yeah. He's, he's sort of got a, a, a Bob, yeah. ha- Bob Hoskins energy, don't you think? <laughs> Big Bob Hoskins energy. I was, so when I was watching Strong this, features. I was like, I was like, oh my God, I bet he's like 34 or something. Because when you go back and watch this stuff and you realize how old the people are, you always, feel insane and i looked it up and he's 42 in this episode so i okay. feel i feel i'm not having a panic about that that's no that's that's a decent i i would imagine that dad to be a few years older than that at most i think yeah so what is the deal with uh kevin's other siblings so like there's the middle there's the older brother who's a doofus who he was, was so much funnier than i remembered when i watched this show as a kid i hated that character and i think because i genuinely he was just a bully and i genuinely like didn't like him and now when i'm watching it like that actor is doing such a good job he's so funny and like every time they cut to him he's doing something like a sight gag that's yeah that nails it in a single shot uh, I don't remember him being a funny character at all. I remember him being like a very frustrating antagonist. <laughs> he also is like, I don't know, in this episode, having this being the only episode of the show I've seen in like probably, you know, 25 years or so, <laughs> the, it, it, it feels like the, the older brother is living up to the, fa- to the father's ideals past, past the point that the father still has those ideals. Like he's like, or yeah. like, you know, he's like checking boxes of like, Hey, I'm being the son my dad wants, even though like I feel like at this point in his life, his father's like given up on like wanting that sort of thing out of his <laughs> sons or his life. I, I, now the daughter, I did not remember her being a character. Olivia Dabo. She was a, she was a hippie on the show. She was, okay. uh, that was her big thing. She right. was, and she, she was, she went protest and stuff. She also had, uh, she has a couple other big TV roles. She was the, uh, lesbian professor on Party of Five who Nev Campbell hooks up with. Uh, she Ooh. was, um, oh God, she had some character on Clone Wars who, she voiced some character on Clone Wars who, now we're talking. Whose vo- who's, who's voice appears 
in the montage at the end of uh, Rise of Skywalker, oh, too. Oh, hell yeah. So Olivia Dabo has, has a credit in Rise of Skywalker. So I am upset that Danica McKellar is not in this episode, and I can't talk about her amazing run of Hallmark Christmas movies that she's been on for the past decade. And yet, somehow, you have. What do you got? A lot of shit yeah. where it's like... I woke up and I was living in a snow globe. Like that sort <laughs> I think of she was in she was in Christmas at the Dollywood this most this love. last year. <laughs> Christmas at Dollywood was a good one. I liked it. What's Chris, uh, What's the plot of Christmas at Dollywood? Uh, they need someone to make the tree lights be really good, and they bring her in to plan the event. And her mom's like. Well, don't you want to stay here and like write your children's books in Tennessee and say going back to New York City? And then she ultimately, spoiler alert, she stays in Tennessee. <gasps> she meet a fella. She meets a fella wow, who yeah. doesn't know how to button the buttons on his collar. Um, drove me crazy. Just goes to show, <laughs> don't move to New York. There's no dreams to be had. No, I mean, hey, now who's laughing? We're all but, stuck in here. We're going to be here forever. It's um, true. <laughs> Whoever went to Dolly saved. The lights of Dollywood, or whatever the plot of that movie was, uh, she's probably saving a lot on rent right now. Yeah, she's not even wearing a mask. It's Tennessee; they don't care. Um, the older sister. Uh, I remember watching this show as a kid, and then at one point, the older sister showed up, and I was like, "Who is this?" And I think my mom yeah, said, she "Like, it's big sis. She kind of drops out. I think at some point, like it's implied that she's a hippie. She stops going. I mean, it's, I think there's an episode about it. she stops going to school for a while and she's just mm. like going and like sitting in a field with a bunch of hippies every day. And there's for a, there's like a little while where she starts to let Kevin come into her room and then she takes him out with him with with her one day, I think. And then he does something uncool at some point and a lot of that gets revoked. And so I think she's absent from a lot of the series. As a teen girl would be. They got things going on. I was surprised um, to see her be that much of this episode. Yeah, she's in it. She or she uh she gets into it and it's really good. Um the next scene is at the school and we get the first of the Ben Stein lecture scenes and we introduce the volcano, earthquakes, and Paul, who is not Marilyn Manson. True. But he but he still got his ribs removed so he could suck his own dick. <laughs> <laughs> He's not Marilyn Manson, but all but he did date Rose McGowan and <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in he's it's in bowling for Columbine, I believe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he so he has this anxiety freak out where he just completely like loses it. And watching that in this situation that we're in right now, I'm like, yeah, Paul, I feel ya. <laughs> like I feel all that anxiety. <laughs> Yeah, he's definitely worrying about the wrong thing, but the yeah, the the impending doom that they're te basically in throughout the episode, the teacher keeps showing them, you know, this is the way that the the, the world will end, you know, the yeah. the galaxy will collapse. This is how you know a society Earth is going to look like a wiener dog. Yeah, exactly. Right, that, the, that the oceans are going to uh, are going to overtake our board, you know, and eventually it gets to Paul. And yeah, I gotta say. Uh, all, 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 all of that uh, doomsday proselytization. <laughs> oh, let me take that again. Doomsday uh, proselyte. No, let me take it Proselyt again. <laughs> no, hold on, hold on. Doomsday yelling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, crazy talk. Just crazy talk. <laughs> no, but but I but I, I think I think like the character of Paul feeling as if 
he's not wrong for believing in one of the that one of these far off but plausible doomsday scenarios is scary. Like the mm-hmm. fact that no one will listen to him, like is like you said, ultimately very relatable right now. Yeah, what like they even so they boil it down to. I don't want change. I don't. Why does the earth have to change? Which that line, I literally was, um, I think, saying that uh, freaking out to my husband over the weekend. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I don't want to imagine a world where we can't go to fucking movie theaters ever again. Yeah. Like, and I think it's set so well against. I mean, I think that's one of the successes of the whole series is there. It's this society on the brink of, of a sort of paradigm shift. And. It's it's funny, yeah, we, we catch, like, the glimpse of the riots. I think there's, like, an ironic cut there where they're, like... It's right there, no, yeah. Nothing else goes wrong or something like that, and then it cuts to the riots. Um, but, yeah, it, it's framed so well against, like, the just sort of, like, very quiet backdrop of social change. They never yeah. they never textually, even in the, the voiceover, he never mentions it. After that, we get the introduction of the bowl. We get to the dinner scene. Oh, yeah. And Norma's come home. She's got a bowl. And she keeps, like, nudging, trying to it get just, people to... It's like cruelty, though, what the father is doing. Don't you think? Like... What? Yeah, and I also yes. like the episode. So, like, they all finally, after she, like, mentions the bowl, which has the meatballs, and she mentions it a lot, um, they finally, like, say, like, oh, you made this great. Cool. And she's like, I'm taking pottery classes. And all she wants is just something from uh, Jack, her husband, to say anything. And he won't say anything. Why? The show never once underlines why he isn't saying anything, which I think is very uh, daring and mature because they could have done the full house thing of at the end and him being like, well, you know, I just didn't want you. I just felt oh, like yeah. all of a sudden I wasn't important in your life anymore. And I was just, you know, jealous. You might not need like they don't even they don't do that. Yeah, leave it very I agree vague. with that that being a very like mature storytelling choice and I feel like I think that is what colored in what I sort of began our talk with that the feeling of like powerlessness as a child mm-hmm. that there's there because there is just part of this story that you don't know and may never know quite frankly you know what I mean yeah. like mm-hmm. you, you um yeah, there is a reason, and you don't know it because you're this because you're little, and you're only getting part of the story. And there will maybe always sort of be some little part of your brain that's like, "Why the fuck was Dad always mad when we were little?" You know what I mean? <laughs> and you never got to ask Dad because he died of a heart attack. I know that <laughs> from the wait. That's how it ends, right? With like the montage of like where they all end up. Yeah. Or is that also on Roseanne? Because that also happens he, to Dan. No, on Roseanne. you're thinking he, of he, six he does. feet under. He does die of a heart attack, and the and the older brother takes over the furniture store. God, that's wild. That yeah. They did that to both Roseanne and or to Dan Connor and uh, this guy. Anyway, I know you don't edit it out, but that's a that's a pretty major spoiler if your listeners are not a. Uh, hey, one years watching. This show is thirty years old. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, uh, it's I'm a, like. Well, it doesn't happen in the context of well, you know what? What? Hey, if if Mia Wonder Years Dum Dum knows it. Fair enough. Boom, boom. There you go. Um, yeah, I don't know what isn't isn't a big spoiler. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> then we get we get like this the cut to the next scene where like the dad is looking for his stupid uh, mug. Right. What was it like? Had fish on it and like welcome to Missouri yeah, it was like or something. Some some mug from a vacation that he bought at a rest stop or something. Yeah, and he like wants he like loses his mind over it and and Norma's like, well, I made you this mug because maybe you won't like. 
be easier for to hold or something. And then it's just like this tense kind of adult fight. Like all the fights between them were like real, real. <laughs> like, yeah, well, he sets it up. They never op- openly disagree. Like they, when they're arguing, they're arguing like, no, I'll do it. No, no, don't like they're, they're yeah. both being extremely passive aggressive. Like, no, I'll take care of it. No, no, no. If you're going to do it, I'll take care of it. And it, yeah, it, it makes it so much more tense because no one says what they're feeling. And, just yeah, just to the point that Dan, you and Dan were just making, I, I think it is really interesting. They never fully explain. I mean, like, let's break it down if we can. The dad, yeah. Uh, I guess he feels threatened that his wife has a new interest. Do you? Right? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And yeah, I think I think that's a big part of it. And he doesn't know how to express that. And I think he doesn't like the new mug. And uh, like, but but this, you know, the the pottery resentment has already started by that by this point. Like, the new mug is kind of gaudy. Uh, oh yeah. Well, and also everything she makes, like she makes that bowl that is very lopsided. She also makes an ashtray. Right. It just looks like a whole bunch of terrible, a real bullwinkle ashtray. Yeah. It looks the ashtray looks like a whole bunch of fingers. Yeah. Oh, it's very large. So part of me was wondering if maybe he... Um, so Dad had a point. It was a bad ashtray. <laughs> it is. It is a bad ashtray. Well, part of me was wondering if maybe he's also like... I don't know. This is also... Hey, it's kind of like you can bring whatever you want to with it. Part of me was like, maybe she's being very creative and like expressive and her shit's kind of abstract. Not intentionally so. But I wonder if part of him is just like, why can't she just make a normal... Why am I seeing this? Why is my normal housewife expressing like abstract art like desires or whatever? Well, yeah, I think I think there's definitely something about it's. I think they do a really good job with the prop department. And you'll just be in a scene and you'll just see some weird object there, and it just feels jarring in the overall muted aesthetic of the over of the show of the set. And I think there is like there's something symbolically like he is resistant to the to something that's unfamiliar or something that's uh yeah it, it aesthetically uncomfortable to him about it and he's resisting it in a way that he can't really articulate and then so he's shutting down and yeah refusing to engage with her which is you know of I'm, course immature but it's really fascinating to see how they express it it's a very deep character conflict that um you they you wouldn't do like this on any other show in a way like it's the Wonder Years way. It's very unique. I was blown away is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the mug breaks. Things get very tense. And then at dinner, Kevin's like, well, I know the thing that will bond them is if they have something to yell at. So he tries to start a food fight with his brother. And dad yells, mom does not, does not work. Right. She just gets upset, walks away, leaves the table. Yeah. Oof. I mean, like, how uh, the 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 parent reactions are so emblematic of that time. Like, the dad reminds me so much of my grandfather, not so much mm-hmm. of my actual dad, which I guess makes sense mm-hmm. in terms of like linear. <clears throat> Have any feelings about those? Any any dad feelings this show brings up? <laughs> well, I was just gonna say that that scene is it was like a perfect example of what Dan, Dan was describing. Which is like, it's such a pathetic, like when he shoots the mashed potatoes at his brother and it just nothing happened. It's, it's so lame and just, he's so, it's yeah. so powerless and just watching his attempt to sort of like 
come on, guys, like Rouse's family just fall completely <laughs> flat. It's so devastating. Because there's something going on here that, like, isn't a, is bigger than you know, and even than we know, but it's just like we, we're not talking about it. You know, it's right. Yeah. And when you're a kid, it's like you recognize that some fights are two people get into a tiff about something and it doesn't really matter and they and it just needs to be diffused and and sometimes something like that you can diffuse with like a joke yeah. or a funny thing and then you try to treat every situation like that and when it doesn't work and and in this case reveals something you know a deeper tension between his parents that can't be so easily untangled that's yeah just a, like the perfect illustration of how little power he has in the situation I also noted around this time that, and I don't know if this is like a whole Wonder Years thing, but the episode is directed from low. Like, all the shots in the kitchen when Kevin is seated and looking at his parents, they are not like at head level of the parents. They are kind of like at middle. And mm -hmm. so you're you're kind of, you're seeing everything from literally Kevin's point of view. And I don't know, it like, I don't know if that's how every episode is shot or if that's just Daniel Stern being very smart. Like... <laughs> Yeah, it's like they set the camera on the table where the kids are sitting for the parents. Yeah, scene. and then even like at the when when uh, Kevin and Jack, I know names, are even sitting and watching the football uh, game together. They're watching football, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, they're watching a sport. They're doing sports. It's football, Brett. Well, it's a ball. Uh, they're doing. They're doing a sports ball. Ooh, Tr I hate trust, that. trust me on this one. I get it's, they say <laughs> fourth awful. down. That's the that's the. The table key. tennis. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little little, little sports secret. The the camera seems to be like more at Kevin's eye view than the adult, which is I don't know emblematic, y'all. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I also loved what was Ben Stein's like little like bingo, a hellish nightmare of bodies writhing in agony. <laughs> 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 That's also what he uh, says about Obamacare, though. So I don't know if that's like. Yeah, uh, we, is Ben Stein canceled? Ben Stein's yeah, ben canceled. Ben Stein right? sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He probably said always cites. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it, that's so weird to think about that? Like even someone like beloved like that nowadays, that would be like if like Sean Spicer got a role on a sitcom, he'd be like, <laughs> "Fuck right. this guy!" You know, like, exactly. Dancing with a star. Wait, what was Ben Stein's role in the Nixon administration? He was a speechwriter. Yeah, oh, a, a speechwriter, and like I thought, advisor as well, or in some advisory capacity somewhere. But uh, so I'm also I, I, I could be wrong on that. I'm also watching Family Ties, kind of like for the first time ever right now because it's on CBS All Access, and I gotta use that five bucks. Is that worth paying for? Uh, if you want to watch Caroline in the City, <laughs> okay, she's a cartoonist. <laughs> yeah, it's on there. Um, yeah. I don't know. The Star Trek shows are good. So if you're a Star Trek person, get them, have it for a month, and then boot it. But um, they're on everything else, right? Like, except no, for Discovery, Well, no, the, new Star, Wars, the new Star Trek okay, shows. Picard yeah, and yeah. Discovery are on there. Well, you guys talking about CBS about All Access? Yeah. yeah, yeah. CBS All Access sponsoring the podcast. You can watch uh, uh, yeah. Tuning Out the News. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah, yeah. With our friend John Rashad. And, uh, uh, yeah, I'm in AA. CBS All Access, that is. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, um, but I'm watching Family Ties, and it is so <laughs> wild to see Alex P. Keaton as this, like, Nixon-loving, arch-conservative, like, preppy, popular kid that everyone loved. And, like, 
I was like, it speaks to both how charismatic Michael J. Fox is, just how wonderful he is as a performer, and also how deeply fucked up the 80s were, <laughs> that a child who is like a Nixon sympathizer is like, oh, what a scoundrel. I watched an episode where he was angry that his little, like, three-year-old brother in preschool was learning how to share, and so he went into the preschool and ra- rallied them against socialism. Like... <laughs> No, thank you. <laughs> did Ben Stein? Did Ben Stein ever? Did did Nixon's speechwriter and since canceled uh, <laughs> political agitator Ben Stein ever have a role that wasn't a uh, school teacher or school administrator? Uh, the clear eyes ad. <laughs> so, okay. Clear or, eyes. Or game wow. show. Yeah, the time when he was getting his money stolen uh, by Jimmy Kimmel, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or... J- Jimmy Kimmel antagonist or clear <laughs> clear eyes uh, spokesperson. Oh my god, we're gonna get that Zoom reunion at some point. Has Kimmel not done that yet? What, During this the, quarantine, the win Ben Stein's uh, uh, I money. Feel like, yeah. I did. On, I did it. Either you guys see the Ben uh, Stein on Twitch? You think? <laughs> what, what was his? Uh, what was his uh, 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 intelligent design documentary called? Ben that Stein. Was, yeah, in, in the last decade, Ben Stein. Oh yeah, uh, hosted I, I, and self financed. I, I, I think in like in 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 collusion with like fucking Dinesh D'Souza or one of those fuckheads <laughs> like uh, put out some like Great. well why don't we teach that you know like it was it was about like does he narrate it yeah it was called it, it was called some it was called like mon- like monkeyed or something like that because it was about like you know like mm-hmm. you know that we should teach no, thank uh, you. Uh, also you know, evolution is just a theory you know Ben Stein's voice not a good uh, narration voice because it's like it's a the droning one, joking. the one thing he's known for is being an excruciating dullard you know? like, <laughs> so, yeah please let him narrate your documentary okay cool <laughs> uh, famously so then, emotionless voice <laughs> we um so Kevin, like when I noticed, when I really noticed the metaphor was when Kevin glued the mug back together, which was maybe the most obvious. The Wonder Years hitting the metaphor hard is Kevin gluing the mug back together, which is still pretty subtle compared to a Family Matters or Step by Step. Right. Oh, wait, re- real quick. I'm sorry. I gotta walk it back one second. Oh my god. I got. I got the. Uh, I got the Ben Stein role. Uh, that he is not a teacher or administrator. <laughs> He's the doctor in the mask. Oh. <laughs> oh, a serious part for once. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. episode? Ben Stein was definitely on an episode of Baywatch, right? Probably, like, you know. <laughs> I feel like, like wearing was... like wearing like a bucket hat with like zinc oxide on his nose under a big <laughs> umbrella, being like, uh, you know, I'm here to judge the bikini well, contest. Well, it's no uh, day I'm at drowning. the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Help! I'm drowning. <laughs> so help, this is help. when I can't uh, swim. <laughs> this is when Norma comes home and she's made a vase and it's actually good. And her kids, her kids, kind of have that reaction of just like, wait, wait a second, wow, you're Mom. 
they're like, oh my god, this is actually good. No one quite says that, but that is a, absolutely the energy that, with which yeah. they react to it. We're we like, were on mean dad's side until right now. <laughs> yeah. no, you didn't a, know this, but we were all dragging your crap art before this. They do this a good makes... job of depicting that recalculation of like, okay, so we were clearly uh, <laughs> we're like being a little generous before. How do we... How do we meter yeah. our response here so that it's also, clearly like, oh, this one's good, but doesn't make us look like we were faking it this whole time? <laughs> no surprise, as I believe in the in the finale, uh, it's revealed that the mom grew up to be like like a like a like a chairwoman of the board, Aww. like a uh, like a like a head of a head of a Fortune 500 company or good. something. I like her. Yeah, I want her to be successful. You know who doesn't want her to be successful? Jack, because all he wants is fucking Pepsi. Big Pepsi bought oh, this God, episode. Oh God, the Pepsi thing. Yeah. <laughs> like that too. Like like the, the wait. You think they paid their way the into passive aggression? Like and it like the 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 resolution is just the resolution to all of this is really just just calm. Like not even acceptance. It's just like it's just her like fucking swallowing it and not shitting it out. Like that's yeah. the magic trick. That's the resolution of this it's fucking a... episode. It's 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 really wild. It it, so it rocked he... me in a way I did not expect. <laughs> yeah, he wants Pepsi, and he's like, "Are you going to the store?" And she's like, "Well, no, but I mean, I, I can't. Like, what? What's like? I'm going out to like my art thing. My art thing. Like, there's all this like tension about like, and it all is because of Pepsi." And it boils over when he, like, gets close to the vase and she, like, lunges at it and it's like, do not break it. And it's just like, oh, the layers, we are excavating issues right now. <laughs> like, and it, uh, yeah, it's really get, like, powerful. fight. Well, that's, and that's the scene I was talking about that where they most specifically do that structure of a fight where it's like, no, it's okay, I'll do it. It's like, no, yeah. I'm saying it's okay, I'll no one is ever actively disagreeing with the other person. They're both passively, like, moving in the opposite direction. And you think Pepsi well, is... paid for that spot? I think they paid. They... Would... they want to be associated with breaking up this marriage. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like they say the word Pepsi a lot, but was Pepsi bigger in the '60s? No, I don't think they were doing. I don't, I don't think integration was no. that savvy in television at that point, even in the late '80s. Sir, we've but gotten it, the R and D back, and it says that Pepsi drinkers are thirsty after yelling at their wives. Are there any TV shows? <laughs> I know who our guy is, yeah. Jack. They love this guy. Yeah, yeah. They all think he's the good guy. Pepsi drinkers think Jack's the good guy in this episode because yeah, Pepsi drinkers hate pottery. Yeah, I remember women him being home. more specific, uh, sympathetic in other episodes, and. Uh, He's like clearly the bad guy. You kind of addressed this earlier, but he's like clearly yeah. in the wrong this whole episode. I think. Oh yeah. And I, I honestly think that that. Well, I mean, I guess I'll like go, go chronologically, but like that final moment that uh, Dan was talking about almost is almost redemptive to him, it, it, even though he's so clearly like the fact that it is less explicit is almost redemptive to him because he because it sort of. Uh, acknowledges how repressed he is yeah it's so like they fight about pepsi um karen flat out calls him a um male chauvinist, chauvinist pig yeah like and it's like oh she's going in and then they <clears throat> coughing and not editing that out um <laughs> they fight so hard and they do not resolve it um kevin adult kevin daniel stern says like dad did not get home until midnight uh, right and then like 
So the resolution of all of it is in the next morning, mom is ironing in the kitchen. She like maybe burns her hand a little, goes over to the sink. Dad has come in. He's not talking to her. She's trying to like wash, like cool off her hand, starts crying at the sink because Jack's just standing there. And then he just, and this is where I almost started crying. Cause it's like, he just touches her back. She starts crying harder. Then she like turns around. They look at each other and then like slowly like figure out each other's body language to like hug and then are like intimate again. And then the narration says like, I know this sounds crazy, but that was the first time I saw my parents alone together. And it's just like, oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Especially because we've also seen, you know, speaking of nostalgia triggers in the show, we've also seen uh, eight millimeter Mm -hmm. uh, sound, no sound footage of the parents sort of like flirting and kissing each other. Yeah, in their courtship days. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the kids are in some of that footage, so it may have been a montage. I'm not sure. The one that ends it, I wrote down who has the camera because it's like the parents are on the swing and then it pans over to the kids right. at the picnic table and they're all like, or something. and it's like, yeah, the aunt or something. Right. <clears throat> but yeah, that moment. Okay. So there's a couple things that happen there. One is that he doesn't immediately put his hands on her back. He no. like lifts his hands up and hesitates. And that, like that to me, that a moment in like an adult relationship or that, that feeling in an adult relationship where, because like with, with someone who you're intimate with, yeah. uh, where there's been a conflict and you feel like unsure what the physical boundaries are as a result of like, and like how you're like allowed to express intimacy in that moment because of like how severe the conflict is between the two of you. And she wants your comfort even like, right. And and that's all expressed in that like very slight gesture where he lifts his hands up, stops for a second, then put, she can't see it. And then he puts them on her back. I like remember thinking like God, that's such a specific choice that illustrates so much about what his meant. Like he is, he's acting like he doesn't care. He says he tells her he doesn't have time to talk about. When she finally confronts him, yeah, he says he doesn't have because there's that scene where I don't know if we skipped over that, but they're they're arguing in the kitchen and the kids can all hear it in the other yeah, room they're in the living room. Yeah, and he's basically evading and he's just saying, "What? I, I don't hate pottery." He never says it. And Kevin's like, "He never said. Notice he didn't say he liked it. He keeps doing that. He yeah. won't say he likes it." And they're in the when they're in the living room and and then the dad is yelling and he keeps <clears throat> avoiding and saying like, "I know I don't have time for this. Uh, I don't. You know, he, he's just angry that he's being confronted on this thing where he's clearly being sort of repressive." And I think in that moment, like, but you. You don't know for sure throughout if he really thinks he's right. And then I think in that yeah. moment where he hesitates, you realize that he's actually anxious and it sort of confirms that he has sort of dug his heels in too much and doesn't know how to get out of this thing and doesn't totally know even why he feels that way, oh. I think. And that's all in that. So that's in that moment. And then <laughs> yeah, he like puts his hands on her. And yeah, it's. It's, but it, yeah, it, it it was so loaded that it's like it's a generation of men who didn't have those tools, who those emotional tools rather to even like don't apologize. Process. Yeah, don't. yeah. Or that mm-hmm. like why would a, a woman was crying something wrong? Ah, whatever. Yeah. Or uh, 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 um, or even like I think part of it too is even like you know like the pursuit of a like a creative endeavor is yeah. like a ridiculous thing. Mm-hmm. Even though he like never names it, you know. Yeah, well, even why like, do they you do want say something more. I think they part say of at it. the beginning when she's like, she mentions the name of the instructor. Um, was it Richard or something? 
Uh, but, but yeah, um, she says like, oh yeah, Richard thinks this, and he like grunts over, and I was like, oh, it's gonna be one of those like he's jealous of the. T- th- that's not the story. Like they, there are so many of these like simple sitcom uh, plots that it could go down very easily. We like he could have gone to the pottery class and seen her with Richard, and then gotten jealous and blah blah. blah like you know, but that's not even it. Yeah, or it, it might be more a that he's fraction part... of it, right? But, it but be... like the show yeah. never underlines like. Well, you know, Norma, I was mad because of X, Y, and Z, and here's how we solved them. And I think, like, it makes it so much more of a gut punch, because you can project so much more. It makes you think. It, like, gets you in your head. Um, I was like, that's the most comforting-looking hug I've seen in a while on television. Yeah. It was just like, oh, I want that hug. Yeah, I, the I w- moment that they actually start to hug, I, like, really teared up, because you just see yeah. that, like, he's... Well, that's, like... That's why I said, like, I think if he had expressed himself and said, you know, I've been a bore these past yeah. uh, th- three sitcom acts. And I, real I, I realized that something about myself that's going to affect my behavior until next week. And uh, yeah. it really would have I, I, I wouldn't I would have been like, well, then if he knew this the whole time, then he's totally irredeemable because he, he's treating his wife like shit. But like, again, I, I may be repeating myself, but when you see the. It's not just that, like, you've, you you acknowledge that he's been anxious, but also then you actually see him make the gesture and try, and, like, it's that it, she's burned her hand, and he's just, like, trying to comfort her, and it's this very sort of root-level emotion uh, that he's expressing, that, that they're both experiencing, that, that right. where he's trying to comfort her, and you see him actually, that's the degree to which he's capable of making an effort. Uh, yeah, it's so powerful. When I think of, like, something a show like this and how they handle a moment like that compared to i mean they're wildly different but i think the closest thing you could do to like have like hey, a a a a a uh what do you call it uh not not uh, sort of a back in time a, a sort of a time traveling melodrama thing would be something like this is us right yeah um where it's like hey we're you know hey back in when we were all growing up and that sort of thing and the emotions here are so blunt and ungraceful and they're treated as such because emotions are frankly blunt and ungraceful things and that they it's not there any poetry in the moment is 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 inferred after the fact by daniel stern's character it doesn't make there's no no swell of music on the soundtrack or anything it's and even even as an adult it's like I've, I, it's, it's, it's from the point of view who's someone who's maybe made peace with it, but still not sense of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh, I, that, yeah, that's a, it, even the, 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 the ungracefulness of, of, uh, of Jack's emotions. It's, um, you know, that's such a, a male, that generation thing of, it's not even acknowledging you fucked up. It's just like, uh, it's it's broken. It's crying. I'll uh, okay. I guess I'll hug it. Okay, even though it makes <laughs> better. You know, it's 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 really, really, really juicy stuff. It, it yeah. this mm-hmm. this was much more loaded than I I expected it to be. Uh, and well, I'm, I think I mean I think that last moment is more caring than you're describing, though. I mean, like, like I think he's totally incapable of expressing himself, but I think that yes, does like, yes, shock yeah. him. It, it's yeah. an expression of. Mm. Uh, well, and it's yeah. also like a, uh, it's also a, a statement of that she's, that she accepts it, that like she doesn't want more. Right, and it's not, right, right. And it's also like, that's not even like a condemnation of like her, or like saying you should want better. It's like, no, but like 
just how it was and how this relationship is, is he does literally the tiniest thing of just touching her back. And that is enough to like, or it's also like indicative of how close they are. Right. Well, I think that's the other thing that's not, you know, the other running theme that's sort of thrown back to there, which is that we've seen this footage of them really intimate together on the millimeter. And we get this idea that at some point his parents were really in love um, I mean, I don't know how old the the older daughter is, but like, I, I assume these people have been married for, I, I want to say at least 20 years, yeah, maybe probably. 18 years. Yeah. Um, and so we see them, you know, it's not just that he touched her back, but it, it, it's that gesture allows the two of them to sort of snap out of it or snap back into yeah. uh, like really seeing each other uh, it's a history, the way that like... they did when they were younger. Yeah. And that's it's what, like when Rogue touches someone skin to skin and like, you know, she gets all the memories. It's like he touched her back and it's just like they could just like snap back in right, with all the memories. Sucked out, right? sucked out her life force. Yeah. And, <laughs> and now she will forever. Uh, and now will, she's, he has her memories forever. Yeah. Yeah. And now she's dating a Cajun man. Platonically. That's where this show made me, I, you know, I, I, a weird comparison to make maybe, but like. That's where it made me think of Malcolm in the Middle. Wildly yeah. different approaches, but still that that acknowledgement and sort of that like room tone of like the stuckness of a family mm-hmm. of like for all of us. It's like because wh- where are we going? What do we do? This is it. This is life. This is our. This is it. This is our life. This, this is our is family. It. And there are those moments of acknowledge uh, of acknowledging that that happened. I think. You know, maybe with more more frequency for lower income families. I think they they happen in all families. You know, I I think I think growing up poorer is something that Malcolm in the Middle really fucking nailed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Uh. In a very weirdly specific way, but like, <laughs> yeah, that sense of stuckness of like as. No one's running out. No one's driving into the night. No one's going to Mexico. No one's going to their sister. These those and it makes you like. I guess they're, you know, again, life is rich and complicated, but like ultimately, like I'm running away with Maurice, the pottery teacher. Those are a Hollywood convention. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. not to say those things don't happen in real life, but like that it doesn't go there, that it, it's, it's so much more interesting to have to fucking sit in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Are y'all ready for some must have facts about this episode? Oh, Brett, I'm so ready. <laughs> <laughs> I um, must have okay. these facts. I have yet yeah, you must have them and here they come. Um Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
So for the season, on average, uh, Wonder Years was watched by 16.3 million people this year. <whistles> a lot of people. A lot of people. Loving those Wonder Years. That's but, crazy. That's but so for many the, people. That was only 22 out of a... It was only 22 uh, show of the year. Wow. Tied with The Hogan Family and the NBC Sunday Night Movie. <laughs> <laughs> What a snapshot in time that was. <laughs> Imagine being the showrunners of the show that has so much heart and soul into it and like so much care and thought. And we were like, well, how are we doing in the ratings? It's like, oh, we're doing great. We're on par with a movie. It's like, which <laughs> we- movie? Like, nah, just the concept that they show a movie. <laughs> a movie. <laughs> on as popular as that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for Airport this- 79. <laughs> <laughs> with <Ugh>. commercials. <laughs> uh for this specific week of the year, um, the last week of January 1989, uh, the top five shows of that week were number five, Cheers, for Murder, She Wrote, Three, A Different World, to The Cosby Show, and number one, part one of Lonesome Dove. Ooh. Wow. The Larry McMurtry <laughs> miniseries. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, like, comparing Wonder Years to the other shows, like Cheers, Murder, She Wrote, A Different World, and The Cosby Show, it, like, it is so different than anything else that's on TV at the time. It's like a half-hour dramedy with no laugh track. Like, Yeah, absolutely. Also, I just thought of a joke like the one Dan did earlier. It would be <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I'm into S&M, Sunday Night Movie. Oh, hell yeah! <laughs> it wasn't and at all. It was the letter no, was N, N, you it's see. N, you yeah. see. <laughs> you see. <laughs> The problem you. was your yeah. ears, not not my ears. <laughs> <laughs> they should have made a like commemorative T-shirts to be like, "Hey guys, we're 22 for the season. Here are your T-shirts. I'm into SNM." <laughs> going to oh, Goodwill. I should have thought of that when we were t- still talking about it, but That's it didn't, no, didn't no, no. occur to me. I'll edit it back uh, in. Okay, into yeah. That part. If you yeah. can do yeah. a little continuity editing here, yeah, that'd yeah. be great. Um, I'm, the- I'm 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 like my whole life is like. 90% like, you know, l'esprit d'escalade, de, de like, you know, like thinking of like the thing when you're on your way out of the party. But then I run back into the party and grab everybody. I say, hey, remember three hours ago when we were talking about that thing? Well, how about this one, you know? Yeah. And everyone just like lifts you up on their shoulders and is like, yeah. yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, the Our Tuesday king. night. The Tuesday night ABC lineup that this that this aired as part of included what a lineup. Who's the boss? The Wonder Years, Roseanne, Anything But Love, and then closing out with 30 something. Anything but love? What's that? That was the um oh was it Richard Lewis and Jamie Lee Curtis? Oh wild. Oh wow. They were both uh worked at a magazine, I do believe, and like I think it was and they were like, Will they won't they maybe? Mm. Lasted like three or four years, so it was kind of a thing. Well, yeah, she's the so pure powerful, romantic he's so neurotic, uh, charisma. I love it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you say the pure romantic charisma of Richard Lewis. Of course, they got three or four seasons. It's also wild that Jamie Lee Curtis was on a sitcom because, like, Jamie Lee Curtis is Jamie Lee Curtis. What yeah, is she she's doing? a movie star. You know, yeah. like, yeah. I guess I don't know where her career was in 1989. That you know, I don't know what the 80s were like for her, but. This was before True Lies. Fish Called Wanda? I mean, she had a good 80s. Oh, right. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. Wow, that's huge. Yeah. Maybe I'll do it on some. Um, so this episode, so the writing Emmys for this for this season, Wonder Years had four of the five spots. And it was yeah. this episode, uh, Coda, 
Losiers and Our Mrs. White were the four um, Wonder Years episodes that were nominated. But what won was the pilot for Murphy Brown. Mm. Boom. Wow. Suck it, Wonder Years. <laughs> like, had this, had, had Wonder Years, I wonder if Wonder Years had, like, done well in the, the previous year or, like, you uh, know. They got nominated for writing Emmys, like, every year. Like, yeah. they, and I don't know if they ever, they might, I think they did win eventually. I'd also believe them as, like, a perennial nominee, never winner show, yeah. you know. I'd, but I'd also, when you have four of the spots of the five, you are just splitting your vote. Yeah, yeah. It's and like, so that uh, was, I feel like, a, uh, the last one to really do that, I feel like, was, I don't know, maybe, like, West Wing. I feel like West Wing always had that, where they were, like, you know, four out of the five writing nominees yeah. were, were that. Breaking Bad like, usually always had, like, a couple, but never, like, four. That's wild. I will say, that Murphy Brown pilot is pretty darn spectacular. Like, I had never watched Murphy Brown because it was too liberal, um, and then my friend <laughs> Megan loaned me the season one DVD, the only DVD that showed to exist. So you and had punishment too. You see, you had yes, punishment too, yeah. Brett. You were, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when I watched the pilot of Murphy Brown, it sent me into an existential, like, I will never be able to live in this time to make a show like this at that time. And yeah. that feels <laughs> like a curse. Like watching Cheers is a loaded experience for me because I fully do feel like my dream job well, purpose on this earth is to be a staff writer on Cheers. And, you know, temporarily, you that's not going to work. But that's just that it. story at that yeah. time, man. Like, you yeah. know, <laughs> so it's just wild. There's so, the version yeah. of that now. And when you see it or when you write it, you'll know. Yeah, uh, everyone sits six feet apart. Otherwise, it's the same show. Yeah. <laughs> um, so on IMDb, uh, 231 randos rated this episode an 8.6 out of 10. Would you all go higher or lower? Or would you agree with that? I would go way higher. Personally. I give it a 9.3. <laughs> yeah, 93. 8.6 is real strong. I uh, Why that feels good to me is because... Uh, I, this is the only episode of the show I've seen in a real fucking long time <laughs> and you need somewhere to go. You know what I mean? Like you need mm -hmm. the ceiling up and down. Like, cause I, I, if this hit me like this completely out of context, I can only imagine what treasures there are to discover. Uh, maybe when I'm in a, uh, more emotionally stable place, <laughs> yeah. over. I don't know if this yeah. is the healthiest thing to Google dive into worst right now, wonder but... years episodes and just yeah. watch those. <laughs> there's six seasons. There's got, yeah, there's a yeah. lot of, uh, gems in there. And he doesn't end up with Winnie at the end. Like, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's, there's some heartbreaks to come, but they do make out in the barn during the rainstorm to Bob Seeger's we've got tonight. Oh wow. man! For someone who hasn't seen this in twenty five years, you remember? Uh, yeah, that's really that's really in there. They're like, it's he has his license. And they go on a drive, and he like the car breaks down, and they get in a fight or something, and then they're like walking through like a field or something to a gas station, and it starts to rain, and they've been fighting. And they run, and they find like a farmhouse, and they go in the barn, and they start like smooching real hard, and and it does the we've got tonight. Who needs tomorrow? I yeah, vaguely remember. Yeah. It's God, it's funny because there are other episodes that I think burned in my like the, the for me the one where his brother signs up to go to Vietnam, mm -hmm. uh, he like signs oh, up wow. uh, yeah as a, as a, to rebel against his dad and he and his friend yeah it's I mean that one ends on an, a moment that is absolutely devastating and I think the the pilot is another one stuck in my head that moment in the end of the woods and like. I think there's some just some episodes, you know, I'm saying you have this crystal clear memory, but I'm like, oh, no, I could do shot for shot for some of these yeah, things I haven't but seen now, in decades. Like, I got to say, though, 
so much of the show, it's uh, uh, even that one there. It's like the, these strong, recognizable, uh, uh, licensed music things, uh-huh. and uh, ooh, that that intro really fucking threw me. And if I got it, Bob Seger that, in that, that episode that stopped a uh, that 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 stopped uh, in the last year or two. I was like, hey, I'm gonna do Dawson's Creek again, and oh. it's just not. Paula, the Paula Cole song at the top, and you're like, I don't think so, man. Yeah, this how is dare you? It's like, how you dare know you? What I mean, no. yeah, hey, no yeah. it, like it, it, it well, stopped to point, me. Like the the episode where they, they sign up to join the army uh, ends with Forever Young in a, a way that's like completely devastating. If you see the uh, end Alpha, of the episode, Alphaville Forever Young. Uh, I or guess Rod Stewart. Young, you yeah. wanna be or forever the, young? No, the Rod Stewart version. Forever young, forever young. Wait, can you guys sing some more versions of Forever Young? Wait, what? Yeah, but also both those are eighties. Did they have eighties songs in Wonder Years? Yeah, I think. I mean, that Seeger song is not from the fucking. Yeah, I don't think it's all period. It's like like uh, like Mad Men did that too. Like where it's like yeah, they did Simbaris. They only did it like that one time, and I'm like, I don't know why, but whatever. I I would would buy hearing a John Mellencamp song on the Wonder Years because it's like, you know. Who did it? About it's like it's it's all the same. Kevin like still, it's all still nostalgia soup. You know what I yeah, mean? Right. Like in a way, like Bob Seger and John Mellencamp to me are like the musical version of a show like The Wonder Years, yeah. where it is <laughs> where it is just sort of like nostalgia. America, specifically um, Boomer nostalgia. Boomer America. Yeah. Who had the must see performance in this episode? Hard. Damn. Uh, I, I, so I, I wanted to take that mother out of that house. I just, oh I God. wanted to, like. And <laughs> <laughs> take her out to a nice dinner, Dan. Is that what just, you're saying? Just, yeah. just, get like, your CDs just, and get out I of there. Could, I could see you two together. I think that, that would no, be No, nice. I just mean it just like, you need, like, plane <laughs> ticket. Leaves the plane ticket open. and some money. It's just like, you got a sister you can stay with? My God. Oh, yeah, no, it's, get it's out pretty of here. bad <laughs> for a get while. Get out of here. You got, like, again, you got some family you can go to. You need, like, a fucking bus ticket. Some of that. Like, Jesus Christ. Um, I would give it, I mean, I guess I would give it to, I guess I would give it to her. And the thing is, is like, I, Jack, Norma, and Kevin, I'm kind of like. The kids were exemplary, though. The kids were exemplary. Because it's all reaction, you know? They say acting is reacting. Like, all those shots of them in the back of the car. Those shots in the back of the car. (laughs) Good acting. (laughs) I just did a self-tape, you fuckers. Why didn't you tell me? (laughs) (laughs) I could have used that in that cheesecake. <laughs> uh, Philadelphia I think, cream cheese is gonna chew me up and spit me out, <laughs> just when, like cream cheese. <laughs> when the kids, uh, I mean, when the big uh, hug happens, and it's just the kids at the table, like just sort of like we're all in this, and, and I, <laughs> yeah. I, God, fuck, as the uh, um, I, I wasn't the youngest, but I'm I'm one of three. We were all boys in our family, like, but one of three, just that feeling of like. Well, okay, we've all just, like, you know, you've been at that, <laughs> we you know, that. whether, we, you know, sometimes it's just you're, you're at your cousin's dance recital that sucks, you know, or whatever it is, but that feeling of like, yeah, okay, that, 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 well, we all just have to sit in this while <laughs> we'll yeah. all process it, you know, but, and then later outside of this, like, you're all brushing your teeth like boy that was weird earlier right yeah that was yeah weird, <laughs> like, <you> know, <laughs> like those moments you know yeah, yeah it feels yeah. so real 
yeah, all the kids are great. I mean, I feel like the mom's breakdown towards the end is just so believable, though. Too- she finally confronts him, and she's desperate about it. Yeah. Uh, it I mean, it's heartbreaking, but it's it's played so well. I mean, I uh, give a must- lot of credit to the dad, too, but I don't think he had to uh, display as much emotional range throughout the episode. But no. there are some subtle moves there that are really yeah. impressive. So let's split the difference. Uh, ben Stein, it is. All right. Yeah, <laughs> Ben Stein gets all of the other votes. I think um, what we can agree is that the must see, uh, the the must the must admire person who is redeemed is in ben, the eyes of society Stein, is choices. Ben Stein. <laughs> uh, must other people see this episode of television? Uh, yeah, yeah, this is absolutely. really good. This yeah. is really good. This this I, is like a good intro to the series. Also, if you haven't seen, yeah, it. yeah. it caught it fucking caught me off guard. How good it yeah. was. I was. <laughs> Uh, I've been watching a lot of step-by-step lately, which is oh. also a classic ABC sitcom on Hulu. Step-by-step is some garbage. Step-by-step, exceedingly horny and extremely <laughs> horny. Extremely show. horny. That is literally like an article in front of the I kids wrote all that the time. down to pitch. I really? wrote that down to pitch. Step-by-step step 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 is the horniest, horniest audience. <laughs> Dude. The audience just like wants to see all the characters make out or and they're fuck. being horny with each other. And then they like play up like at the fact. Oh, my God. It's very I also weird. wrote down a pitch one. Step by step is a pop is the '90s pop culture wasteland because yeah. like they just rode all like when it's like oh surfers are popular here's Cody Beavis and Butthead are popular here are two guys literally just doing Beavis and Butthead yeah they just kept doing here kickboxers there was, a, there was popular. an arc on the show where they just where JT and Cody just like get a show called get JT's World. World and it's just yes. fucking Wayne's World and they're and it, the exact uh, same arc of the movie yeah. like it gets like developed and then it's like phony and it's like so have you not seen the just, Beavis and Butthead guys yet you're just do, no I, I mean okay. I, I haven't I'm, I'm at, like the end of season two but again they're like 30 episode seasons. So yeah, like, like I think they're in like Jesus. three or four. Yeah, and yeah. they're in multiple episodes, which is what is the real egregious thing. Like, I can forgive you doing a blatant Beavis and Butthead cosplay and passing it off as your own jokes once. Yeah. But twice? <laughs> the, the, the the Wayne's World thing really threw me for a loop. Regardless, uh, the, the, the reason I, I think uh, <laughs> contextually was like, oh, right, right, Wonder Years. And I again, I knew it was pro- probably a little more of a sensitive forest gumpy thing but there's something about like all right pull it up on hulu uh, it's got the abc roll before it and eh, what would you do if you sang out of tune okay and then just bleh, it like kind of leveled me in a way man yeah <laughs> i don't think i can add this to my rotation because uh it's too much it's a lot <laughs> yeah. yeah i need to stick with um get smart and i dream of genie which is what i'm also watching right now <laughs> um that i bought in itunes because that shit ain't streaming what's the get, get smart isn't on anything Nope. That but uh, a while ago, the entire series was on sale for like 20 bucks. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just I just bought it because yeah. that's very cheap for that is, many episodes. It, yeah, well, I will well, say I highly recommend this show. But I also if you are listening to this and it's currently in quarantine, like <laughs> my standards for oh, sorry, hang on a second. <laughs> my standards for what to watch right now are very different in that I'm sort of looking to for a sort of uh, uh, audio visual balm 
at the moment is sort yeah. of my goal. Whereas usually I'm looking to be stimulated emotionally and intellectually <laughs> by my entertainment choices. Uh, right now I'm looking for something that's a little bit more soothing, I would say. Yeah. For a couple of weeks, I just watched nothing but The Circle and literally every international version of The Circle because I could only watch what I was living. <laughs> like, oh, that just sounds stressful weird. to me. Well, you... no, but it, like, it just felt comforting to be like, well, these people are doing the same thing I am and they're having a huh. good time. <laughs> a very big uh, centering thing for me during the weeks has been uh, I wake up. Uh, I get up pretty early still because it's like I got to keep my... My first or second week into this shit, I did like a day or two of like the, hey, stay up till the sun comes up and then sleep till three. Like I did a day yeah. or two of it and I was like, hey, this is fucked up. I don't like it. I, I know this feeling. It makes me feel bad. And so I'm pretty sticking to my rigid like work. I also am like just like working uh, this whole time too. I get up and I get up at like 6.45 and I make, I make my coffee and I watch the Today Show. And I put on the Today Show and I watch like wow. all three hours. I, I just keep it on because like I like joke drops start to be drew, doing that sort of thing. It's just good like, all right, yeah. this is what's happening. This is what's out there. It makes me it like grounds me in a way. Starting the day with the D Today Show has been a real like. Wow. And then they also still do the third act like we're making quesadillas with the kids. Like, you know what I mean? It, it still <laughs> does all home. that stuff. Well, right, yeah. right, 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 uh, <laughs> right. That, that's a real uh, a balming uh, watch for me right now. Yeah, mine is just watching a rotation of... I'm watching the entire 1966 fall TV lineup. Well, not the entire, but... I've gone insane and made a uh, spreadsheet with about 1,400 um, episodes of television in it. Yeah. From across 50 years of TV, and I've Great. arranged them all. I've sorted them all in order of date, so I have them all in air date order. And so I am watching about five or six shows in order of how they aired in 1966. Well, uh, uh, so you have to television lineup that you're kind of watching in yeah. real time yeah wow. and it's interesting he, because you see these parallels like paul dooley was in an episode of get smart and then the next week he was in an episode of bewitched and that's like really like you only realize those things if you're doing this insane thing i'm doing where you're like oh paul dooley like was having a good book and week like hey, yeah. or if you were alive at the time <laughs> paul dooley bring it back to daniel stern i'll also uh, make a uh, a hard recommend if you're in the if you're uh, intrigued by I said, yeah, Daniel Stern knocked it out of the park directing this uh, uh, narrator for the episode. Uh, he's also in one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, Breaking Away. It's a movie from 1979 about a bunch of kids in a college, like townies in a college town. Uh, it, it's g a good, sensitive, lovely movie. It's a little young Daniel Stern, young yeah. young Dennis Quaid, young Jack Earl Haley, and Paul and uh, uh, one of the characters' parents are Paul Dooley and Barbara Barry as a couple. Oh. Very fun. Movie's called Breaking Away. It's from late '79. It's fucking lovely. It's so. This is wonderful. the cycling movie. Yeah, the cycling yes. movie. Yes. Okay, I do yeah. remember this. And it, but they're like excellent. kind of a. They like live in a small town, and there's like a like a rivalry between like well, the. Well, because the, they're like, all they're all like lower. Or... Yeah, they're well, they're all lower class, and so all the kids who go to the college, all the rich kids at the college. Right. Yeah. But it's not like a comedy. It's not like who like a Porky's or nothing. No, it's like, no. It's like the rich kids at the college though are like, yeah, you fucking you, they call them cutters because they're like cutters, yeah, stone, that's what it was. the stone yeah. cutter kids and that sort of thing. But also like the aspiration of them all because they're all like nineteen or whatever to like. It'd be nice to go to college. It'd be to nice to get out of here, and that sort of it's it's really lovely, really well done. Yeah, uh, hard streaming oh, wreck. Uh, oh, with uh, Daniel Stern in it. Hot wrecks. Um, 
Well, thank you all so much for coming on the show. Where can people find you all on the internet to talk to you about uh, uh, you, Daniel Stern oeuvre? Yeah, you can tweet at, uh, you can tweet about Daniel Stern at Nat Towson, uh, <laughs> on, on Twitter and Instagram at Nat Towson. I'm Nat Towson on everything. I'm the only Nat Towson on the internet. Find me. Heyo. Short, short, short last name, last name people. I'm so jealous. Chamberlain, so ungainly. Uh, my great grandfather so. changed the spelling of my last name too, so it's very uncommon. So mm. SEO. He did some great late 1800s. <laughs> was SEO it was it Townsend? Was it was it like... Towson with an O at the end, and now it has an E, which is drastically less common. So oh, I wow. get all my usernames. That's good. Uh, yeah, well, thanks, I am great grandpappy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am uh, AMFMPM on Twitter, and because I was late to the game, I'm <laughs> AMFMPMX on Instagram. <laughs> Get it done. Yeah. And do you think it was an admirer? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. No. So, like, my my Twitter handle is AMFMPM because it used to be my I used to have like a music blog, like All a, right. like a hype machine MP3 blog uh, that was called AMFMP. So all my handles for all my social stuff for that, and then that was just the the Twitter one just had the most followers. So I was like, I guess I'll keep it. Like, <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I nuked. I like the music blogs like way forever gone, but like. Forever uh, gone. Forever gone. <laughs> no, the other version. With you. <laughs> well, oh the, uh, the Alphaville one is the like yeah. forever young. For gone. I want to be forever young. I think that's young. the one I was thinking of. Yeah, Do probably. you really want oh to live God. forever? <laughs> <laughs> and that does it for this episode of Must Have CTV. Thanks again to my guest Dan Chamberlain Keep and Nat Towson for dropping by and talking about the Wonder Years with me. Next time I'll be discussing something. I don't know what it's going to be. I'll find out and then I'll let you know some way, somehow. Until then, I want to hear from all of you. Follow Matt Must Have Seen TV on Twitter and Instagram and let's talk about sitcoms and follow the Instagram because that's where I'm going to be live streaming sitcoms via Insta stories on my old television. Very illegal, very pirate. Don't tell Mark Zuckerberg. Um, also give me your email on what, what, that's making a finger. Proselytize. Proselytize! <laughs> if you like what you've heard, rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brett White. Read the words that are at decider.com. Thanks to ACAST for hosting the show. Thanks to y'all, y'all for listening. And just like stay safe and sane, er, than I am right now. Woohoo! I'm sorry, that might have been offensive. And I'll see you next time on Must Have Seen TV. <laughs> a lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.